Hello, this is Joel Johnston, and welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. Every summer in Kansas City, 25 men have one simple mission, to win. Starting pitchers, corner power hitters, middle relievers, speedy gloves up the middle, closers, utility infielders, backup catchers, and they're each remembered here. From 1969 to last year, all Royals careers have been preserved with the most comprehensive collection of facts, memories, and stories in existence. Welcome to Clubhouse Conversation. And welcome to another edition of Clubhouse Conversation, the place where we talk to all your favorite current and former Royals players. It's Davo, thrilled today to be joined by former Royals right-handed pitcher Joel Johnston, who pitched with Casey in 1991 and 1992. Johnston, who was drafted in the third round originally, 1988 by the Royals out of Penn State. He worked his way up through the KC minor league system, and his debut in Kansas City came in September of 91 when he was nails. 22 and a third innings in 91 at the major league level for Johnston. Had a 0.40 ERA out of that Royals bullpen. The hard-throwing right-hander was named the number one Royals prospect by Baseball America, headed into 1992, and number 59 overall by Baseball America. And struggled a bit in 1992, had some bad luck, did Johnston, and then the Royals shipped him off to Pittsburgh along with Dennis Moeller to pick up Jose Chico Lind at second base, and Johnston would go on to pitch really well for Pittsburgh that year. And he joins us right now on Clubhouse Conversation. We'll talk all about that and so much more. Joel Johnston, how are you, and what's new in your world? Not too much. Hanging out on a beautiful, cool day in downtown PA. <laughs> Good old PA. They call that God's country, don't they? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing these days? What's keeping you busy in 2014? Uh, general manager for car dealership in Downingtown, Jeff D'Ambrosio's. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Are you still staying involved with baseball at all? A little bit here and there, not a whole lot. I wish I had more time, but, you know, job life. Yeah, it's it's, it's the worst. <laughs> did you have a lot of fun watching the Royals during this run? I did. It was very exciting, yes. Yeah, I was hoping they were going to take that game seven and win the 2014. But Yeah, so did I. You had to appreciate those bullpen arms out there, right? Great bullpen. It was a lot of fun to watch, yes. Yeah. Well, let's go back and let's start from your times at uh, Marple Newtown High School there in Newtown Square, Pennsylvania. So you ended up playing baseball at Penn State, but I know you also played basketball at a high level in high school. So which was your favorite sport you know, at that time, and which did you feel like you were best at growing up? Uh, baseball was always my favorite sport. Um, you know, and uh, always liked baseball, of course. Basketball just kept me in good shape. Uh, so... What made you choose to play at Penn State then? Uh, I had a couple different scholarships. Um, I went up to Penn State and they had a pitching coach by the name of Jim Farr. Uh, so pretty much it was a good fit for me at the uh, time to go to Penn State. Do you have, so what are your favorite memories there of you know, being in college back then? What sticks out? I'll tell you, it's funny. I went up this weekend to Penn State. My daughter goes there now. and uh, So I went up this weekend to look at the new stadium. They built a new stadium up there. Uh, and it was just neat to go back and you know walk around the campus and you know relive some of those memories. Sat in the uh, sat in the uh, clubhouse yesterday. Took a look at the ballpark. Oh, very cool. Pretty nice. Very cool. Well, then the Royals would select you. A, a man by the name of Bob Carter was kind yep. of the scout. It was the third round of the 1988 June Amateur Draft. So take us back before the draft. Even do you remember the first time that Bob saw you, or, or the first time talking to him before the draft? 
Actually, yeah, I was pitching in the uh, Westchester Adult Baseball League, and um, right before the June draft, and you know, twenty, thirty scouts would come out to the game each time I'd pitch. And uh, I remember the day before the draft, it was like the second inning, and a guy hit me with a. I threw a pitch, and a guy hit a line drive, hit me in the chest, knocked me down, and. By the time I stood up, everyone was picking up their chairs and leaving. I thought uh, <laughs> I thought it was a bad day for my baseball career. Really? That's a random story. Did he stay and watch you then, or was he not there that day? No, he was there, and like I said, as soon as the guy hit the line drive off my chest, they got up and left, and the next day I get the phone call that they draft me in the third round, and you know, I told him the same story when we were signing the paperwork, and he said he had, they had seen enough. Huh. Very interesting. Were the Royals kind of the team you expected, or was there just a number of them that you weren't sure? I actually wasn't sure. I mean, I was keeping in touch with Bob Carter. He'd be, you know, he would be calling me on the telephone and telling me that uh, they were very interested. So you never know with uh, you know athletics as far as where you're going to go or if you're even going to get drafted. So what did a kid from Pennsylvania know about the Kansas City Royals in 1988? Not a whole lot at the time. The only thing I remembered was the 1980 World Series with George Brett and the Pine Tar incident. (laughs) That's it. There you go. Well, so before we get started on your minor league career, let's kind of refresh everyone listening with what kind of pitcher you were. So what pitches did you throw? Where did you sit at and top out at and all that good stuff? Pretty much I was a two-pitch pitcher, fastball slider. Um, I wish I would have learned to change up. I maybe could have uh, had a little bit of a longer career. But uh, fastball was 91, 93. Uh, my, my slider was my best pitch. Didn't you sit at 95, 96 sometimes, or at least touch that, I should say? Occasionally, I think the hardest I threw was 97. Yeah. But, you know, I was pretty much just a power pitcher. Yeah, very cool. Well, you signed shortly after that draft. You began your pro career that same summer in Eugene. You started 14 games there. You struck out a hitter per inning. So the only bad thing was that you broke your right thumb at the very end of that summer on a line drive that hit you. But what do you remember most about you know that first summer in Eugene? I'll tell you, Eugene was a good experience. Um, you know, we'd get like 5,000 people at a game. Um, it was a great way to uh, break into professional baseball. Um, just all the other players I played with. Just some good memories. I really enjoyed it. You played with a young Bob Hamlin and Hector Wagner that summer. Do you remember those two in rookie I ball? I sure do, yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Bob was a good left-handed hitter. Yeah. Hector had some good stuff, too. He could get that up there in a hurry. Hector, yeah, he did. Um, 89, you pitched in the next year for Baseball City. You started a team leading 26 games, team leading 131 and two-thirds innings, and uh, a very good baseball man, Luis Silverio, was your manager. And you guys you guys are really good in that team, 78 and 61. You had like a dozen players who'd make it up to KC. So that second year in Baseball City, you know, what sticks out about that year? Um, just a great place to play. I enjoyed Florida, uh, the Florida State League. Um, just the same with a lot of the guys that I played with in Eugene, carried over to that team, Bob Hamlin, Hector, um, Carlos Maldonado, Stu Cole, uh, a lot of guys like that. So, um, you know, it was just fun. It was enjoyable. Now, I, I think that Boardwalk and Baseball was open that same summer there, the amusement park there. So did you ever get to go through and go on any of those rides over there? Yeah, we went on a few. We went on a few. I'm kind of a tall guy, so I didn't fit on too many rides back then. <laughs> What was okay? So, what was this place like? Because I've interviewed all these guys, and you're like one of the second person who ever went through it. So, what was it actually a nice amusement park or not? Yeah, the complex was great. The uh, baseball field they had there was beautiful, and like you said, it was right in the middle of the uh, amusement park. And you know, they had all the rides, the roller coaster, and everything around there. But uh, you know, we pretty much you know we were there to work, and you know, we didn't really go out a whole lot. 
Yeah. Well, I remember that in the later years, too, I've talked to a lot of guys who say that playing in Baseball City meant literally almost nobody at the games and like a ghost town by the late 90s or so. But, I mean, how was it in 89? Were there still a decent amount of baseball fans that would come to your games? Not really. Yeah. No. No, it was the same kind of thing. I mean, the amusement park was kind of big, but not too many people came to the ballparks. I guess it's hard to have that much, you know, pride for a team in a city that doesn't even exist, right? Baseball right. city. <laughs> <laughs> so, 1990, you started the Double A Memphis, and you went back to Baseball City, and then eventually up to Omaha, where you began relief pitching. So, that 1990 season, what were your thoughts on, on switching to the bullpen? Um, it was actually a good move for me. Um, you know, baseball's mental, and uh, I was having a tough time throwing strikes in Memphis. They sent me back to Baseball City and had me start for a little while, and then they brought me into some games as a relief pitcher, and that was probably the move that, you know, got me going up to uh, get up to the big leagues. Well, that would happen in 91. to be a very special year for you. You'd eventually make it up there. But before we talk about that, let's talk about a couple other things. So first of all, 1991, you got added to the 40-man that spring, and you got to big league camp for spring training. So that first big league spring training in 1991, what do you remember about that? And then who are some of the guys that kind of took you under their wing? Um, I was kind of in awe when I went up there, of course, because, you know, big fan growing up. I mean, as far as watching George Brett and Brett Saberhagen and Mark Gubaza. And uh, Gubaza actually took pretty good care of me, being his father was, you know, coach of Villanova. So uh, he spent a lot of time with me and, you know, talked to me a lot about pitching. Did you think you had a chance of making that club, or was that just kind of one of those courtesy things for that first time that spring? Yeah, I just think it was being added to the 40-man roster. I didn't think I'd make the club, um, you know, after the year I had before. Um, but then, you know, when I came up in 91 and, uh, to Omaha and pitched in the playoffs, things kind of worked out pretty well. Yeah, so I was going to ask you about Omaha. So the city of Omaha itself and in, in pitching at Rosenblatt, what sticks out about, you know, the time you spent there? I'll tell you, I loved Omaha. To be honest with you, it was a great town. I really enjoyed Omaha. I have some fond memories of Omaha. I like the downtown, like the apartment complex, the whole, you know, baseball and, you know, College World Series. I really enjoyed it there. Did you make it over to the zoo ever? Yeah, yeah. A couple times went to the zoo. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. So then September of 91, like you mentioned, so you, you get that call up that all minor league players dream of, you know, that first call to the big league. So the moment you found out, where were you at when you got the news? Who told you? And, you know, and what was that story? I was actually at my apartment complex with my roommate, Dennis Moeller, and uh, got the phone call, and I went down, and uh, you know, Sal Rendy was my manager at the time. And uh, he told me I was going to the big leagues and to go get on a plane, and I went on a plane and flew to Chicago. Huh. Were you kind of expecting that, or was it still kind of a surprise to you? It was still a surprise to me, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that. I don't think anybody really expects that day when they're called to the big leagues. Yeah. Well, you made it up to KC September 3rd. Like you said, two days later, your big league debut at Chicago was September 5th. You went three innings, a two-hit shutout relief, four strikeouts that first night in Chicago. I'm assuming you probably remember it pretty well. Yeah, yeah, yep. In fact, uh, you know, remember it was like it was yesterday walking down the uh, walking down the uh, ramp into the club, into the uh uh, dugout and how bright it was, and it seemed like it was a day day ball game. Yeah, yeah. You and you struck out. I've got the answers here, but let's let's play a little trivia here. So you struck out four guys that night who all had great major league careers. Can you name all four of them? Probably can't name all four. I can remember my first Ron Corkovice. Yep, you had a <laughs> a Robin Ventura in there, and Sammy Sosa, and Lance Johnson. Oh, okay. 
All I remember is the first three batters had base hits, and I started off my career with the bases loaded, nobody out. <laughs> nice. And you thought to yourself, where the hell am I, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. I did. <laughs> well, your next big league outing came at Baltimore. You got your first uh, big league win there in two innings of shutout ball. So Baltimore, I bet you remember that night too? I do remember Baltimore, yes. Anything stick out about it or just a, a nice night? Uh, it was actually kind of funny because I was down uh, in the bullpen warming up before the game, and I had three of my good friends that came down to the game. And like I said, Mark Ubazal was with me in the bullpen while I was warming up. And I look up, my three buddies are doing the three-man wave. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Well, it wasn't until Oakland on September 25th, after you began your big league career, you had 14 straight scoreless outings, and that was the only run there. That was the blip on the radar. So for the wrong reasons, you probably remember that Oakland outing, too? Yes. Terry Steinbeck, I think, knocked in the ba- knocked in the run. Yeah, he always killed us, man. <laughs> Those catchers every time. Now, how, how did you like pitching for Hal McCray and Guy Hansen? Uh, well, Guy Hansen was my pitching coach in the minor leagues, uh, so we had a pretty good um, rapport with each other, and uh, he knew, you know, he knew what to say at the right times to get me to, you know, do what I needed to do. And Hal McRae, you know, I enjoyed playing playing for him. Well, following that '91 season, this had to be kind of cool for you. Baseball America calls you the Royals' top prospect in the organization. You were number 59 overall in all of baseball. So, I mean, as you head into that '92 season, after all the success you had in '91 at the end of that year, you know, what, what were you thinking to yourself at that point? I was just hoping to get there and just uh, stay in the same mode I was at the end of the '91 season. Just keep that confidence and you know, start off my spring training well because I was an up and down pitcher. I think mentally. Um, you know, if I was, if my confidence was going, I would pitch well. If it wasn't, then, you know, I was in trouble. <laughs> well, you went into spring training and did well in, in 92. You made the Royals opening day roster in 92. You got into five games, and you pitched really well in three of the five, and then they sent you back to Omaha, though, on April 16th, and you spent the rest of that year in Omaha in 92. Was that a pretty frustrating year overall, I'm assuming? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was definitely a frustrating year, um, especially after the 91 season where I was up there and everything went right, and they brought me into those situations. You know, guy on third with one out to face can say Cole McGuire, and, and I would pitch well. So in 92, I think I put a little pressure on myself. Yeah. Well, you were a couple months into the next offseason in 92. You mentioned Dennis Moeller earlier when that trade happened. You and him went to the Pirates for Chico Leaned on November 19th of 92. So how about that news? Where were you at when you got the news of the trade? And then what kind of emotions and thoughts did you have upon finding that out? I was actually at uh, my apartment in Westchester. And uh, I was actually kind of exciting because my parents um, were from Pittsburgh. And uh, I still had relatives who lived in Pittsburgh. Uh, so I just thought it was a good opportunity. Yeah, and you were good for Pittsburgh, too, in 93. You got in 33 games that year. You finished with a three three eight ERA. So that first year in Pittsburgh, what sticks out about you know pitching in the major leagues there in Pittsburgh? Um, I just the, the whole situation was good. I had a nice little house on Mount Washington overlooking the stadium. Um, Leland was a great manager, of course. Um, all the guys got along pretty well, and, you know, wasn't as much pressure on myself and just kind of went out and pitched. It was a young team. Yeah, speaking of Leland, I was going to ask you about him. I mean, how much of a genius baseball man is he? Uh, he's, he's <laughs> as his track record shows, he's yeah. a pretty good manager. Yeah, he's been a guy I've always looked up to, so that was yeah. cool. Now, who are some of the guys you were closest to, uh, you know, on the Pirates team there? Uh, Pirates, I hung out. Denny Nagel was a roommate of mine. Dennis Moeller, of course. Um, Bloss Miner, Steve Cook, Paul Wagner. A lot of those guys we hung out with. 
Yeah, a lot of good arms there. So 94, you pitched in four games for Pittsburgh, and then they released you in late May. Was that, I'm assuming, pretty crushing? Yeah, yeah, of course. Anytime you get released from baseball, it's uh, not a uh, high, high point in your life. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you went to Toronto. You pitched at AAA Syracuse for the rest of that 94 season. Anything good happened in Syracuse? Not really. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, uh, you know, I pitched okay there, nothing special. Um, uh, so, wasn't crazy about Syracuse. Well, one, one thing about Syracuse I wanted to ask you was like one of your teammates there. I think you played with him. It's a guy who I've always wondered more about that, that died way too young and, and pitched for KC as well. Uh, did you uh, get to know Kenny Robinson at all? Kenny Robinson, yes. What was he like? Um, good guy, short little guy. Um, I didn't even know he passed. Oh, you didn't hear that story? No. Oh, it's awful. It happened, uh, let's see, what must have been 97, 98. He went to spring training with a pitcher named John Rossengren, I think was his name. And they never proved that he was drunk, but apparently alcohol played a role. And they flipped the car, and the driver, John, survived, and Kenny died on impact there right before. He was about to make the Diamondbacks. It was oh, pretty – had a wife and a one-year-old. and Oh, that's a shame. Yeah, it was – a sad thing. So that's cool, though, because it seems like he's kind of the mysterious guy. I've asked people about him, and nobody remembers him ever, so I'm glad that you remember him. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, you spend uh, 95 in the Boston organization after that horrible strike ends. You pitched in four games in April then, and then you were really good in three of the four outings again, but they sent you back you know, to, to Pawtucket, and then you ended up that year in Colorado Springs for the Rockies. And then 96, you had one more year at uh, Independent Tennessee with a ton of former Major League guys like Ernie Riles, Sam Horn, John Dobson, Mike Felder. So was that summer fun at all playing in Tennessee there? You know, it wasn't that bad playing in Tennessee. Um, we had a nice little setup where we lived and a uh, pontoon boat, and we took jet skis out every day. Uh, it was kind of just a nice little minor league place to play. Uh, so and met some good friends there, some guys I still keep in touch with. Uh, Mario Rodriguez, who I talked to, and some other guys. What was that? What, what town was that in? Winchester, Tennessee. Winchester, Winchester, right on, uh, right on a beautiful lake. Do they still have a, t- a, t- a team there? I don't know if they do or not anymore. Huh? I hadn't heard that before. Well, what was it? A pretty tough decision to walk away from baseball at the end of '96. Um, I actually had a good contract to go over to Taiwan, so I really? went over and played in Taiwan. Yes. Really, I don't know about this. Tell me about that. How long were you over yeah. there for? I played in Taiwan for the Dragons. Um, I was there for about six months. Uh, a little different getting used to the lifestyle over there. They only play three games a week, but uh, they play pretty much for the whole year. Uh, so uh, it was different. Was that was that the end then after Taiwan? After that, yes. Was that one of those where you just knew it was the end? I mean, was was that tough, or did you just kind of know it was the time? You know, I came back and I went down with a couple old buddies of mine uh, trying to get a spring training job. Uh, and I tried out for some teams, and a couple teams offered me AAA jobs. Uh, but for what I made in Taiwan, and then to step back and go to AAA for that kind of money, it was just kind of difficult. And then that was pretty much I knew it was going to be it. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, when you look back at your times in the Kansas City organization, what are your favorite memories? Just from the you know when you just when you think Kansas City Royals, what's your favorite thing that comes to mind? I'll tell you one thing I enjoyed the most, to be honest with you, because you know I actually pitched pretty well my first year, and every time I would come after a game, Kirk Gibson had a uh, step in his contract where he would get paid for every at bat he had. So Hal McRae would pinch hit him. I'd go in and I'd pitch an inning or two, and then I'd go walk down the. Uh, 
walk down the runway into the clubhouse, and Gibby would be sitting there with a pitcher of beer, and we'd sit in the hot tub and drink beer every night after the game. <laughs> That's great. I love that guy. Uh-huh. He was great. Talk about a winner. Uh, do you keep in touch with any of your old Royals teammates anymore? Not too many of them. Now, once I got out of baseball, it's kind of like you lived it your whole life, and then you kind of step away for a little bit and try to get your life going on what you're going to do next. Um, probably the Phillies winning. After a couple of years of me being home, I started getting back into it. Uh, and then some guys I keep in touch with. Um, now that we start talking, Dennis Moeller I keep in touch with still. Uh, John Lieber, in fact, uh, just got in touch with him the other day. And certain guys that I do still talk to. That's cool. That's cool. Now, last three things for you. I ask all guys who played with this guy for the most amazing story they ever had. So did you ever see anything amazing that Bo Jackson did? You know, When I say the name Bo Jackson, what do you think of? Bo Jackson, it was actually kind of neat because in the um, 91 season, we were both in spring training together, and he had the locker right next to mine. So, of course, I had him sign his Bo book. Um, <laughs> but I was sitting in the um, weight room. We were working out, and Danny Tartable was in there, and Bo Jackson was in there. And the funniest thing is Bo Jackson starts benching, and, of course, Danny Tartable wanted to one-up him, so he starts benching more weight. And then Bo gets on starts benching more weight. Then Danny gets on, then Bo got on, and his trainer stood on top of the stack, and Bo prenched that and the trainer, and Danny Tartable walked out of the weight room. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> he was one of a kind, wasn't he? Yes, he was. <laughs> well, uh, have you ever been back to Kansas City since you left? I have not, no. No, I'd like to get back to Kansas City, actually. Yeah. Check it out. See out the new renovations here at the, at the K now, so one of these days. Well, in closing, I guess the last thing for you is what would you like to say to all the Royals fans listening right now? I'll tell you, I really enjoyed Kansas City. Everybody was very nice, um, especially with social media. A lot of people have been contacting me lately on Facebook, and uh, I have a lot of great memories of Kansas City, and I really enjoyed it there. Very nice. Well, I have a lot of great memories of watching you pitch and coming out and gunning strikes. And I even remember when you hit a double one time as a as a hitter off of I think it was Kevin Gross. Off Kevin Gross. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, can still, I think that I think that might have been on Sports Center is where I saw that. I don't know. But back in the day, but that's that's pretty classic stuff. Well, thanks so much for your time. Stay in touch, and hopefully we'll see you here one of these uh, one of these years here in KC again. Thank you very much. I will, Dave. All right. Take care. All right. Bye bye. Bye.